off to a good start. All right. Good morning, guys. I am so excited to be talking to you guys this morning. It really is just a privilege to be able to teach God's word to you guys again for the second time. So very thankful uh, for this opportunity. Um, I must admit, though, the message that God has prepared, uh, uh, really prepared in my heart to give to you guys is it's a little, it's a little heavy, but I believe it's very pertinent for our lives today, and I'm excited to share it with you. I'm excited to open up God's word and just hear from it and really learn from it. But what I've been praying for each one of us the past really week and a half, two weeks, is that we would leave encouraged, that we would leave filled with joy, just as we observe uh, the advent for today, joy, that we would leave filled with joy, and that would, ultimately we would leave today more in love with Jesus and our, our creator and what he's done for us. And so that's my prayer for us today. In fact, let me just pray right now that God will do that for each one of us in our hearts this morning. God, we ask for you, Lord, to give us a joy, Lord, that cannot be compared to anything as we look at your son, Jesus. God, we ask this morning that you would give us an encouragement that people would be able to see, Lord. God, that we would walk away from this place so encouraged by what your son Jesus has done and what it means for our lives, God, what you did through Jesus. Lord, may we leave so encouraged and so different this morning, God. And we just, we expect, we expect it, Lord, because you are a God who does more than we can ask. And so we just thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you for your word that we can come and learn from it, open it, and hear from it. And so, God, we just ask for your spirit to move. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So here's the deal. There's two realities in lives that, in our lives that we all most likely face. Uh, there's two of them. And, you know, I think our founding father, one of our founding fathers, Ben Franklin, puts it really well when he says, our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable. But in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. All right, this is already exciting, right? Death and taxes. That's what we're talking about this morning. No, um, no taxes, I'm learning as a 23-year-old. It's very certain. Even when I wasn't, even when I didn't get to my 20s, I was still getting taxed uh, out of my measly paychecks from my, my, my high school jobs, okay? So taxes is a certain thing that all of us will experience, young or old. But death, death was something that even in my 20s now, and especially throughout high school and middle school, wasn't on my radar, I wasn't thinking about death, right? I'm like, I'm young. I got a lot, a lot of life left to live. I'm healthy. I'm in good shape, kind of. My diet is okay. I eat a little bit of fast food, but I think I'm doing well. Like, death is not at my door. It's, it's, kind of, it's far from me. And right, and I often think we tend to think that way. Maybe you think the same way that I thought, but I often think we tend to think that way because when we think about death, it brings a lot of fear and angst. It's uncertain, right? We don't know when we will die, we don't know how we will die. There's a lot of uncertainty in it. And we actually kind of talked about this a few weeks ago in our James series. We read in James 4.14, 4, we, we read, You do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Right, and for some of us, that can be quite intimidating. I even think of just like this morning... <laughs> You guys are going to laugh at me. But this morning, right, I have to spray my hair. I have to hydrate it. That's what I read online. Like, dreads got to hydrate. So I have to spray my hair with water. And I sprayed it, and it's just this mist of water that's there for a second and then vanishes. And that's how James talks about our lives. It's this mist. It's this vapor that's there and then vanishes quickly. That is our life. And, again, that is intimidating for some of us, right? It tells us that, one, we have very little control, and then, two, 
The future is uncertain. It's intimidating. In fact, I remember, right, it's, it's, what's intimidating actually is it's this uncertainty, right? That's the intimidation factor. You guys may hear this buzzing. It, it's, it's nothing going on here. I think it's just a mechanical error, but we'll move past it. But anyways, I remember uh, several years ago, not several, I'm still kind of young, but back in high school, we would go on several uh, retreats. And I remember one in particular. It was a fall retreat at Timberwolf Camp. You guys may be familiar with that camp. It's a great camp. But the, the usual trend for my life group on these camps, on these retreats, is that we would usually, the last night, do something that we weren't supposed to. I mean, like, we just had to do it. And our life group leader was aware of it most of the time, I think, but I don't know. I'm not for sure. But we didn't get into serious trouble. It wasn't that bad. But we had this smart idea. We noticed that there was an attic outside of our room. And so we're like, we gotta, we got to climb up. We've got to spend some time in this attic. There's got to be something cool in there. And so we climb up. We get up into this attic. And it's the coolest thing ever. It's their HVAC system and a bunch of sawdust. We, we, we loved it. It was, it was definitely worth the climb. So it was easy getting up there. It was really easy getting up for most of us. But coming down, coming down, it wasn't easy for, for, for all of us. One person in particular was actually in this room. I actually have a picture. <laughs> that is our, that's, that's our beloved Alvin and Dylan. And so, so coming down for Alvin, it was, it was you can, I mean, you can look at the terror in his face. He was, he was terrified. But <laughs> I love you, Alvin. <laughs> what was terrifying for Alvin in that moment was the uncertainty. Is Dylan strong enough to hold all of my weight and catch me? Am I going to hurt myself when I fall down? Right? It was the uncertainty that drove Alvin's fear and terror. It's our uncertainty of death that drives the fear we have towards it. Right? We ask questions. What will I see when I die? How or when will I die? Will God let me in? What will heaven be like? Is it really going to be better than my time here on earth? Is heaven really fun? Right? Am I going to be worshiping God for the rest of eternity? Am I just going to be standing there and singing the rest of my life? It really boils down to this simple question. It's the title of, our, of the message. What comes next for believers, for us, those who put our faith in Jesus Christ, what comes next? What comes next? And as we look at scripture, as we look at moments, as we look at Jesus even being on the cross and the thief next to him, he recognizes Jesus as the son of God and gives him honor and recognition. And Jesus says, tomorrow you'll be with me in paradise, right? Or we look at Paul and he's like, he's talking to the church of Philippi and he's saying, he's, he's literally in chains for the gospel. And he says, listen, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Or I think of the, the martyr Stephen when he was being, when he was wrongfully convicted and then stoned, right? That moment right before he, 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 he died, and as he was being stoned, the heavens open up and he sees Jesus welcoming him in. And so what, what we can see, what we can have confidence in when we die is that this, as death is a doorway into the full presence of our God. That's what we can see. That's what's obvious. That's what's evident. evident. That's what we can easily see. Death is a doorway into the full presence of our Savior, God. Right? That's, why, that's why when Paul says he, when, he's, when he dies, he isn't losing anything. In fact, he's gaining more when he goes to be in the full presence of God. John Calvin says it like this, if the pinnacle of happiness 
consists in the enjoyment of God's presence, is it not misery to be without it? Right? Is it not misery to be without it? When we die, we aren't losing anything. We are gaining more. Those who are in Christ Jesus go to be with him in his full presence for all of eternity. And what this looks like is our bodies are left here on earth, right? We get put in a six feet deep grave, six foot deep grave, and our bodies are, sorry, our souls go to be in the full presence of God. And biblical scholars, they refer to this as the intermediate state, right? It's the, it's the state before the resurrection happens. A well-known uh, theologian, John Stott, puts it like this. In biblical thought, death consists of the separation of the soul from the body. At death, the body ceases to be the home of the human spirit and so begins to decay or return to dust. But the soul or spirit survives this crisis and lives on in a disembodied condition until the day of resurrection when Christ returns. For this reason, the period between death and resurrection is called by theologians the intermediate state. Not because it is a third alternative, intermediate between heaven and hell, but because it is a temporary state, intermediate between death and resurrection. It is a temporary state that all of us, or those who die before this resurrection, they go to be with Jesus in this temporary state where our souls are present with him in this full presence. And Jesus characterized it as paradise, right? It is paradise. It's this intermediate state that is before the resurrection. And that's really where I want to spend the rest of this morning with you guys, is talking about this resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 40 to, 40, 40 to 44 is where we're going to start. But talking about the resurrection and its implications for those who put their faith in Jesus. And so uh, to give you a little background, Paul is addressing the church of Corinth on several different issues, but one in particular, they were doubting the resurrection, which is foundational for our faith. If the resurrection didn't happen, we would all still be left in our sin. And so Paul, he has to correct them. He has to correct their way of thinking and help them understand the powerful and deep implications behind the resurrection. And so that's where we kind of pick up uh, midway through his explanation of that. And so he says, there are also heavenly bodies And there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star and splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This natural body, right, is something that God has designed, but it's temporary. But this spiritual body will be eternal and glorious. And so Paul, he uses, uh, he uses the moon, the stars, the sun to illustrate that there is a great difference in our bodies now and the bodies that we will receive come the resurrection. And the illustrations that he used, they're great, Right? Right, one body will look this way in its splendor, but the next will be even greater. I imagine, uh, and the way I kind of think about it is, is almost like a caterpillar into a butterfly, right? A caterpillar is limited on what it could do, right? It crawls, uh, it's very susceptible to predators. They kind of look gross. Uh, if we're being honest, caterpillars aren't the most like, nice thing to look at. But what do they do? They go through a transformation. They go through this metamorphosis, 
right? And they eventually turn it into a butterfly. And they look beautiful, right? And what was limited before has become undone, right? They, they, they can fly. They can do other things. Their bodies are different. In that same way, the bodies that we'll receive, these heavenly bodies, they will differ from our earthly bodies in a great, a great and phenomenal way. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to receive this heavenly body, this resurrected body. And so that's one thing that we can expect, that believers can expect, is that we will receive heavenly bodies, bodies that are completely different from our earthly bodies that aren't even able to be compared to our earthly bodies. They will be so great and splendor. And Jesus has guaranteed one for each person who believes and trusts in him. And this will happen instantaneously when Jesus comes and returns. And it will be a glorious thing that takes place. A glorious thing. And Paul continues, he continues to talk about what we can expect later down in the passage. Picking up in verse 54, he says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin, the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? The victory has been given to us, right? Death is our defeated enemy. Now, and come the resurrection, it will be completely done away with. Death will be no more. The, the fear and the angst behind death, the uncertainty behind death will be no more. Death is our defeated enemy, and it will continue to stay that way. Because of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to him. I even think about, right, what we just celebrate, that the advent of joy. This should be a, a joy that fills us, fills us with great abundance because Jesus, he has defeated death and its sting. Through his birth, through his life that he lived here, his perfect, his sinless life. And then him going to the cross, taking on all of our sin, right, and all the obligations with it, nailed to the cross, defeating death, being raised by the Father on the third day, we can receive great joy because death is our defeated enemy, right? When we receive these heavenly bodies, death will no longer be in the picture. It will no longer even take place or happen. Death is our defeated enemy. It loses its power over us. Its sting is done away with. And that is why Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I gain when I go and be with the Father. This is why when we lose someone who is close to us, we can grieve and mourn, but we can also have joy. All right, we can have joy that if their faith and trust was in Jesus, that they are better off than us, right? They are with the Father in his full presence. Uh, I quoted John Stott earlier. I just want to read another quote by him. He says this about death being the defeated enemy. He said, what should be the Christian's attitude to death? Is it still an enemy, unnatural, unpleasant, and undignified? In fact, the last enemy to be destroyed. Yet, it is a defeated enemy. Because Christ has taken away our sins, death has lost its power to harm and therefore to terrify. Jesus summed it up, one of his greatest affirmations. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That is Jesus is the resurrection of believers who die. 
and the life of believers who live. His promise to the former is that you will live, meaning not just uh, that you will survive, but that you will be resurrected. His promise to the latter is you will never die, meaning not that you will escape death, but that death will prove to be a trivial episode, a transition to the fullness of life. Death will be a trivial episode into the fullness of life. Death is our defeated enemy. It's our defeated enemy, and praise be to Jesus. Thanks be to God, right? That death no longer has a sting and power over us because of Jesus, because of the work of the cross. And so Paul, he concludes this part of his letter in verse 58. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Our labor in the Lord, the things that we do, the way we fulfill his will, the way that we obey him, it is not in vain. The way we even suffer for his name, it's not in vain. And Paul, he expounds on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. To clarify, the judgment seat of Christ, right, it determines not the status, but the reward. Because our status has already been determined by Jesus' death and resurrection and our faith and trust in that and in him. So our status is determined. But we see we will gain a reward based on our labor here on earth. It's all contingent upon how we live our lives for God, how we obey his will, how we fulfill his commands, how we, in the face of persecution persecution and opposition, live for him. Those things do not go unseen by the Father. And praise God for that, that he's not a God who lets his people suffer for any reason, right? But he promised, he guarantees that we will gain a reward. This is what we can look forward to. This is what comes next. This is what we can expect through our love and obedience to the Father and his will during our time here on earth. In John chapter 14, Jesus, he takes a minute to comfort his disciples. In verses 1 to 6, as Peter had just uh, been told of, uh, just been predicted that he was going to deny Jesus three times, and Jesus was uh, predicting his death. And so Jesus, he comforts them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, Leave also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going, Thomas said. I'm sorry, you know the way to the place I, I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know Uh, the way. Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is preparing a place for those who love him. And that comfort in that moment was not only for the disciples, but for us as well. Jesus is preparing a place for you and I, a place that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It'll be glorious. It'll be great. Words can't even describe what it will be like, right? It's so hard for us to even imagine or picture what Jesus is preparing for us. 
but what we can read and understand from his word is that it's better than anything here right now. Anything. And the way to that is through Jesus, right? He is the way that we follow. He is the truth that we receive and believe. And he gives life, or he is the life that gives us life. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only way to receive these things. Jesus is the only way to stand in in God's full presence. Jesus is the only way that come the resurrection will be given heavenly bodies. Jesus is the only way that death becomes our defeated enemy. It's only through Jesus. It's only through him. And in those things, right, the heavenly body, that's going to be so great that we can't even fathom what that's going to be like. And death being our defeated enemy, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. But I think what excites me more is that we will be in the full presence of our creator. Like that is just something we can't even fathom, that we will be in the full presence of God, right? It's like a father who lost his child, right? his child should be home with, with him, but they've been separated for so long. And it's been this constant back, back and forth communication between email and, and whatnot and text messages. There's been this separation. But what happens, the father and the child are united. It's, the, it's, it's how things are, are, t- are supposed to be. It's the right way. It's the correct way. And there's so much joy in that moment as the father is united with his child. And that's what it will be like on that day when we go and be with him in his full presence. We'll be united with our father. We will be at home with him. Right, he is the way that we fall. He is the truth that we receive and believe. He is the life that gives us life. So Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way that we can experience these things. And again, my prayer is that this would be such a deep encouragement to us, that death has lost its sting. Death is our defeated enemy because of Jesus. And so the uncertainty that drives fear, it can be done away with because of Jesus, because we know what we will expect. We know that we will be with him in his full presence. And I just ask uh, and and acknowledge if there's someone out there who hasn't done this yet, who hasn't decided to follow Jesus and accept that he is the truth that we receive and believe and that he is the life that gives us life. I just want to pray for you right now, just in this moment. Um, Father, I just think of that person, whether in this room or whether close in our lives, God, and they they don't know that you are the way and the truth and the life Father, I pray right now that you would minister to their hearts by the power of your spirit. God, and that you would draw them to yourself. God, they don't have to do much. All they have to do is acknowledge your son Jesus. Confess with their mouth that they believe in him. That they believe in his death and his resurrection. That they believe that it's more than sufficient to cover their sins that there is no other way for them to be saved but that through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I I pray and think of those who have already made that decision, God. God, I pray for for those who maybe death wasn't even on their radar and this morning was kind of a surprise. Or maybe death was on their radar and they think about it. God, I pray in whichever case, that we would be filled with an inexpressible joy, God, 
inexpressible joy in Jesus Christ because through him, when we die, Lord, we go and we enter into the full presence of God. And what is promised to us is a resurrected body that is full of splendor. What is promised to us is that death no longer has a sting, but it is our defeated enemy. And so we say praise be to you, God. Thanks be to Jesus. Amen.